Welcome to episode 292 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we preview week two of Pacific Championships. We discuss the Super League Grand Final and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 292 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fan's perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the People. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, how are you doing this week? Dr. T, I'm uh, I'm doing well. Uh, good to see Rugby League back, International Rugby League. And uh, yes, yeah, some uh, interesting results of the weekend, but uh, I'm pumped. How about yourself? Yeah, look, I, I probably before I get into it, I, uh, look, I'm pumped about a couple of things actually. It's it was Fiji National Day during the week, so happy Fiji Day for I think it was October the 10th, mm. which uh, which uh, you know, and, and for those of us in Sydney, there was a few celebrations here and there in the last couple of weeks. Um, very interesting, but yeah, happy uh, happy Fiji Day. Uh, well, not so much on the scoreboard, but but anyway, it's, the spirit <laughs> is there. We support Fiji and and a very important uh, so South Pacific nation in in the world of rugby league and the family of rugby league. But look, Tish, I'm not just pumped about that. I'm pumped about. I've just finished watching the Netflix documentary series about David Beckham, and oh, wow. I got to tell you, it was. Yeah, spoiler alert for anyone out there, he actually married Posh Spice, for those of you who don't know. Anyway, one of the Spice girls. Unbelievable. Sorry to ruin that for you guys. You know, it happens mm. early on. Um, but look, i got to say, it's uh, it, it just got, it got me thinking, Tish, and before we sort of launch into the program, I thought I'd ask you, look, it's obviously Beckham was a big international brand in soccer and such an interesting story, was such a celebrity. And I was thinking... Wouldn't it be good if Netflix did a documentary about the life of one of the great rugby league legends? And then I thought, who would that be <laughs> exactly? There's, there might be quite a few candidates. I thought, Tish, I'll throw this at you. I didn't ask you this before, but, you know, i put you on the spot there. What do you reckon? Who do you think Netflix should be doing a documentary on in, from the world of rugby league? Well, if you're going to do a rugby league couple then I think Solon Hormono and the Pleasure Machine. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. All right. Yeah, so the, the documentary, look, you got to go for, like, uh, somebody who's had probably um, yeah, a dynasty, like they're sort of around for a dynasty of rugby league um, because that's what these series are, right? Like, you know, like with the last dance, Michael Jordan one, it was like, they're six in a row sort of thing. So, you know, if you go back to the same time period, I think that sort of leaves probably, um, I would say that the three most interesting teams out of the 90s is the Brisbane Broncos, the Canberra Raiders, and probably a bit left field, but I think also the Newcastle Knights would be pretty interesting to watch too, right, because they sort of went, came from nowhere and then sort of won it. So I would say, um, yes, yeah, so I'd say maybe Alfie and Kevin, uh, you know, the Johns brothers or... Um, you know, Daly and Stewart, that's what I think that they should. I think they're my candidates. What about yourself, Dr. T? Oh, look, I, when I look at, you know, legends of the game and I'm thinking, you know, what what could possibly match up to Beckham? And I've, and there's only really two names. One of them is Bennett. Wayne Bennett. <laughs> I don't know. Yes. That's that's one of them. But he's not a player, so that kind of rules mm. him out. Unless so, you there's do only the other couple with him and Tim Sheens. <laughs> That's right. There's only really one other option, and I'm thinking, what else could could uh, replicate the shining lights of the Netflix Beckham series? It's got to be Wally. It's got to be Wally Lewis, right? Like, I mean, legend of the game. So many stories. I don't know. Like, uh, as much as I'd love there to be a Sturlo, uh, <laughs> I think Wally. Wally is uh, is is it? I think there needs to be a story about mm. him. I think there's also look to be quite honest. There's also um, you know, some some very interesting. Uh, it's not all happy, you know, in in Wally's life. There's a, a few struggles that he's going through even at the moment. So I think it would be a 
genuinely interesting and you know deeply kind of profound series because i think it would be able to you know raise a couple of issues around uh, some of the you know the issues that he's been dealing with i think he's dealing with motor neuron disease and a bunch of other things so there's a lot that that you could raise anyway you know and also in terms of celebrity i mean he is the king isn't he king wally so yeah. anyway my pick but look there is something else speaking of um well not really speaking of the king but <laughs> speaking of rugby league there is one other news story that we thought we'd raise even though there's not enough info out there for us to kind of really uh, sink our teeth into but we have actually uh well not so much a king and the coronation let's just say of a new potentially new coach for the New South Wales Blues. So in the last week or so, I think it's been, I don't know if it's been confirmed, Tish, but um, it's as good as confirmed uh, that Brad Fittler has been replaced by none other than who? Michael Maguire. Show me the money. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Oh, that's, that really takes me back. Tom Cruise, that's what we need. Oh, no, sorry. Michael Maguire, Madge, as they call him, is obviously the... Uh, the most recent coach of uh, South Sydney Rabbitohs, uh, you know, rec not record-breaking, drought-breaking uh, premiership from 2014. He's currently the assistant coach of uh, the uh, the New Zealand uh, Kiwis, and no, 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 he's the he's the coach of the New Zealand Kiwis. Oh, he's a coach, is he? Oh, sorry, I thought he was assistant coach. Oh, there you go. He's no, a co assistant well, coach the of the Raiders, yeah. Oh, the Raiders. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, you're right. I'm sorry. My mistake. Mm. What? Where is my manners? He is the coach of the New Zealand Kiwis, which begs the question, how is he going to devote time to uh, to State of Origin, the Blues, next year? How is he? Does he have divided loyalties? Now, Tish, if there's anyone that can make a comment about Michael Maguire's uh, fitness for this role... It is a Tigers fan. <laughs> yeah. Tish, as a Tigers fan, he mm. was your most recent coach. Unceremoniously yes, second dumped. Recent. Second most yeah, recent, yeah. Unceremoniously dumped recently. Yep. Um, what What say you about Michael Maguire? Well, well look, it's very interesting. So, so look, I think uh, just to be clear, on the 17th of October when we were recording it, um, on the NRL website it says, amid reports that Michael Maguire is the preferred candidate for the New South Wales Blues. So we don't know how everything is going, but then, look, it does articulate at the moment. He is, uh, yeah, officially the New Zealand Warriors coach. You know, he's sort of the preferred option. It looks like from reports he's the preferred option for New South Wales. And he's also uh, the senior NRL consultant uh, role at the Raiders, which... Uh, means that he's helping out with the coaching but not being put under the – yeah, I don't know what's going on with that, but that's a bit weird. So, look, how do you juggle all these sort of roles together? Um, there's – you know, I think New Zealand have said that there's a – they don't like it because they think there's a conflict of interest and they don't want him to be convincing Kiwi players to play State of Origin, which will make them ineligible for New Zealand, which is perfectly fair. But then, you know, I thought about, you know, Michael Maguire and his experience and I thought, okay, you know, he's – He's won a premiership at the Rabbitohs. He's won a premiership in the Super League. And then he's had three and a half years at the West Tigers where he's been juggling, you know, the Balmain Tigers, <laughs> the Western Suburbs <laughs> Bank factions. And I think all the uh, political machinations that there are at the West Tigers has made him the perfect part-time coach for three different well, three different roles, right? He, I think he could juggle three different roles um, because he has had that experience of trying to do the politics at the West Tigers. And, you know, he's, he, you know, I don't know if he's better for it, but I think he's prepared better, if that makes sense. So, yeah, the only thing better than someone who can handle <laughs> the divided. The divided, uh, you know, what's better than the divided loyalties or the divided identity of a West being a West Tigers coach? It's uh, being coach of three different, you know, a, uh, a, a capital city, a state, yep. and a country, all at yep. one go. I mean, that's you know, we've heard of captain coach. How about coach of city, state, country, all at once? That's unbelievable. But um, yep. although he's not coach yeah. of Canberra, but let's let's be fair, it's what uh, a it's perfect still, training ground. Exactly. What a perfect training I mean, ground in West Tigers yeah. for, for juggling these roles. But, you know, I, I just thought of another thing. Like, 
if he does not win Coach of the Year next year, he'd be disappointed, wouldn't he, right? Juggling all these jobs together. That's right. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> I gotta say though, like as my final comment is, I you know this is just like uh, good old Blue Eyes Frank Sinatra used to sing uh, about West Tigers. If you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. <laughs> and I think that's where that's, that's probably you know. Um, anyway, <laughs> with that with that in mind, uh, let's launch into our six tackles. We're going to go over the Pacific Championships and also the upcoming. Uh, test match uh, with England and Tonga, but also we're going to review the Super League Grand Finals. So here we go with tackle number one, the review or the review of week one of the Pacific Championships. Here we go. All right, there are four games, two in the men's, two in the women's competitions in the Pacific Championships on the weekend. In the first game for the men's, the Australian Kangaroos beat Toa Samoa 38-12. PNG Kumuls defeated the Cook Islands 46-10. In the women's, Australia just edged out New Zealand 16-10, and Samoa had a little bit easier against Fiji 26-12. So let's go into the first one, the Kangaroos and Samoa. Well, the Kangaroos got off to uh, probably the most explosive start date you don't want a Kangaroos team to get off to. In the first 15 minutes, they scored four tries. So they were, mm. um, they were well, easily a point a minute, well ahead within the first 15, 16, 17 minutes or so. Um, but, you know, so that led to a 28-6 to halftime uh, scoreline, which then ended up being, uh, you know, in the second half, a lot less uh, open, I think you can say. 38 to 12 was the final score, so only uh, 10 to 6 uh, in the second half. Tries to seven tries to two Payne Haas, Tedesco, Tino, Cameron Murray, Katoni Staggs, and two to the Hammer, Hamiso, Taboy Fido, and four Samoa, Murray Talangi, and Luciano Leilua, who was actually performed a really great goal, a Barnes, uh, sorry, great try, barnstorming try. Um, and, uh, and of course, yeah, 38 to 12, I think to be expected that, uh, we saw, uh, you know, the, the, the ruse, the kangaroos dominate, they've got a very strong squad regardless of their opposition. Um, but you know, Samoa has had some changes. They weren't with all their best players. Luai wasn't there. Croydon was playing in an unfamiliar territory in five, eight, um, and, and, you know, some debutants as well who all performed pretty admirably. Um, the one thing I've got to say, I'll, I'll go through the stats quickly and then I'll make a comment about um, something at the end of the match. Um, but, look, possession-wise, Australia easily um, better possession. Completion rate actually favoured Samoa, 73% to 70%, which is unbelievable. Run metres, post-contact metres, all the major stats favoured Australia. Let me look at my favourite stat, offloads. No, Samoa eleven to nine. So that was close, but you know, dummy passes. Sorry, is the is the is the <laughs> other one? Seven nil Australia over Samoa. So there you go. My record remains. You know, my theory remains intact, sort of. Um, but yeah, a lot of other stats we could look at. But look, basically, it's it's a typical clinical dominant performance. If you take out that you know, the, those initial explosive 15 minutes or so where Samoa just completely lost the plot, um, <laughs> you know, letting letting Australia go to a 24-nil lead pretty much within no time at all is uh, kind of uh, disgraceful, actually, <laughs> if you think about it. Oh, 22-nil, sorry. It was, uh, but, you know, what can you do? I think they pulled themselves together and, and uh, played with a lot of passion as they normally do. And the only other comment I'd make is... Uh, bit weird at the end of the match seeing some of the Australian Kangaroos players. Uh, I think it was possibly Hamizo, I'm not sure, and Tino yeah. posing with the Samoa flag. I think they – is that right? Are they actually of Samoan background? I wasn't really sure if that was the case. But um, we do have a couple of players there. Um, definitely, uh, possibly even Payne Haas, Tino – uh, who else? I think that's it, that have Samoan background. So a lot of people saying, you know, again, 
is Tamoa is Toa Samoa at their full strength when you've got players in the Kangaroos lineup with Samoan background? I don't know, um, but that's something to think about. Um, but yeah, Tish, what do you think about the Kangaroos coming out as clinical as ever against Samoa? Yeah, well, look. If look, I think I think the Australians were the Australians. I think they that they, they put on a uh, you know a, a great display. I think the first seventeen minutes, as you were saying, they were look completely dominant. And um, you know, um, you know that even towards the end of the game, when it was all wrapped up, you could see that they wanted it on the try. They wanted to stop. So I think they played um, a bit patchy in times, but I think overall they were they were as clinical as Australia have ever been, sort of thing. Um, because obviously they've had a couple of changes too, no Cleary, um, you know, no Luttrell, no Turbo, um, you know, so down on, on a few troops and, um, you know, a, a bit some changes. And then look for Samoa, you kind of look at the scoreline. If you didn't watch the game, you probably wouldn't actually know this. But look, they had the first 17 minutes was awful for them. But then if you actually take out that 17 minutes, you actually look at the rest of the game, you realise it's only three tries to two. And... There were parts where you definitely felt that Samoa had the running and that they were definitely in ch- in control. Um, probably what they are lacking, and I think this is kind of, um, you know, the absence of Jerome Lua, I think, was was really big for them. Um, I think DJ Anasi did a great job as as a halfback. Um, I think Stephen Crichton was was very good. You know, first time he's playing in a 5-8th role, and I think he did really well. Um, and I think he's actually got a really good kicking game. They were sort of talking about the commentary, but if you go back to the grand final, there were a couple of really good kicks that Crichton put through um, in the grand final. And I think he's got a, a good running game, a good kicking game. He's very good defensively. So it could work out having him at 5-8 um, uh, in the future for Samal. But I think despite not having Jerome, um, despite having players playing out of position, despite them sort of being a bit uh, clunky in defence, um, for 60 minutes of the game, it's only three point, It's only three tries to two against the world champions. So I think they've actually got, they can actually take a lot out of it. And um, to your point, I mean, um, they were talking about um, the hammer. And I think Tino's played for Samoa as well. Um, but, you know, but so has the hammer. Um, so you just wonder in the next four-year cycle, um, like if I if I think about if I think about um, you know the the hammer Tabaso, um, he probably would not be in the team if Latrell and um, and Turbo and you know you know Campbell Graham, a few of these centres, Reese Walsh get picked right, so you could easily see him sort of represent uh, Samoa again, uh, you know. Until the next World Cup, and then so if that was the case, then Tino he's played for Samoa too. So I think I think it's almost like uh, you know the Australians kind of lent two players to sorry the Samoans lent two players to Australia, right? Because uh, they probably could have been playing for Samoa as well. So, um, but I think uh, look I think yeah look the scoreline makes it seem like it's not a close game, but I think really it was it was actually a, a bit of a, an arm wrestle for most of the game. And what I think now is that Samoa are going to be better for that run. So they, I kind of felt that they probably needed maybe some sort of trial game or something like that a bit beforehand just to get those combinations um, gelling. Um, but I think they've had their first game. I just think they're going to be better for it in the second round. And, uh, yeah, look, I don't think there's, um, you know, as I sort of said about Australia, I think I think pretty much across the board things were, were working really well throughout the whole um, time. It was interesting, Dylan Edwards on the wing, I felt that um, – that kind of uh, made Tedesco sort of be a bit more active, and he was, you know, he was tearing it up a few times throughout the game. So, yeah, all in all, a great start to the Pacific Championship. All right, and the next game was PNG versus the Cook Islands. Now, we did both of us tipped PNG, and we did point out that the Cook Islands, um, you know, don't really have a very strong. NRL sort of presence, but I did not expect um, the shellacking that the PNG Kamals uh, ended up giving to them. Admittedly, at their home ground at Santos National Football Stadium at Paul Moresby, 46 to 10. It was 30 nil at halftime. So, you know, the, again, similar story 16 10, uh, still winning the second half, but a much closer second half. 
And again, it was an explosive first. In this case, it was the first 22 minutes or so, four tries. In the first 22 minutes, you can't sort of give that away. Um, and they went on with it. So they, you know, six tries in the first half is uh, to, to go to 30 nil is just unbelievable. So you can't sort of, um, you know, give away that lead uh, and, and expect to be in the game. And, and it was disappointing, I think, for the Cook Islands. But I think from the PNG perspective, I think, uh, well, Zach Labert, I think uh, Labert scored two tries. Um, mm. I should I should have mentioned, sorry, that it was nine tries to two. Zach Labert scored two tries, try, uh, four tries to Neen McDonald, and uh, then other tries to Robert Derby, April Capinius, and Valentine Richard. And for the Cook Islands, Isom Mayoka and Stephen Masters with a great try at the end there, or towards the end there in the 58th minute. Um, I think Zach Labert really came of age, and I thought, um, you know, pretty much starred in this in this game. Um, there was some good, swift kind of uh, crisp passes um, to the sidelines. There was a lot of ball movement. There was a lot of toughness. It, they kind of did everything right, the PNG Kamals, and uh, deserved winners there. If you look at the stats, possession very much favoured the Kamals. Completion rate was a lot better there. Obviously, timing possession was a lot higher. They ran more. Post-contact meters was was a lot higher. Tackle breaks, 40 to 18. I mean, those are the stats that you want to get close, but uh, not so much. Uh, dummy passes, 1-0 to Cook Island. So there you go. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> um, but, but look, yeah, most of the stats, you look at them, and, and it's clear to see without knowing the scores that that, that team, uh, PNG, would have been on top at the end which is exactly what, what occurred. So, again, this is more of a uh, – I guess the way PNG played this one, it was very much a disciplined game, and um, and they just did what they had to do, and, and the breaks appeared. Their, their tricks uh, worked, set pieces as well. They seemed a little bit more – how can I say it? Um, you know, well-drilled, I think, at the moment, the PNG Kamal. So what about you? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think so too. I think I think the fact that you saw that um, you know most of these PNG players are semi-professional slash professional playing in lower grades as well as you know in the Queensland club as well as in the NRL, it definitely showed that. Um, and yeah, look, it was the other thing that they did really well because this is a home game for them, and the wind was definitely a factor. So the wind was with them during the first half, um, and they. <laughs> Like Lachlan Lamb kicked a 40-20, but he was actually behind his own 20-meter line. So it was actually a 20-20. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was unbelievable. Um, and then so the uh, the refer of like uh, what happened was the uh, the Cook Islanders uh, um, sort of captain, um, is it Nira Cora? Yeah, I think, yeah. He, uh, he, no, it wasn't he, he, a... Um... Uh, Takarangi, uh, Takarangi, yeah. Takarangi, sorry, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he asked it to be checked, and then the referee was like, well, mate, he was well behind the 40. He was actually behind the 20. So, yeah, so, so yeah, so bad Takarangi probably needs to get a calculator. He needs to keep a calculator in his pocket, I think, when he's uh, when he's, <laughs> when he's trying to go up there for, uh, you know, decisions that are not even line ball, right, type thing. Um but look, look, I think, uh, yeah. So I think that was there, and I think, yeah. Obviously, the, you know, this is, you know, these guys they sort of all play together. They sort of know each other for a while. I think with PNG, you kind of felt that they sort of knew each other's games a little bit better than, than the, um, than the Cook Islanders. I think the Cook Islanders' attack was 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 very dry at times. So, um, yeah. And look, they weren't able to take care of the, because uh, it was interesting at halftime. It was about thirty nil, but you kind of felt well if the wind. The wind was so strong, you kind of felt that, um, that how would it go? Uh, they did score two tries. Um, so what are we talking about? 16, yeah, 16 points to 10 in the second half. So it was a lot closer. And uh, the Stephen Masters try came off a great kick as well. So I think they they did utilize the, the wind, but not as great as what the PNG were able to do. So going to be interesting because I think there's a few more matches in Port Moresby this weekend. So that's going to be interesting how the the teams go with that so yeah all right so let's move on to the women's games now so the first of the women's games was the Jillaroos Australia versus the Kiwi Ferns that was a 16-10 win to Australia 16-4 at halftime so only 
uh, you know, losing the second half 6-0. Um, close affair ended up being, um, uh, well, really 16-10 uh, from about the 44th minute. So there was no other points scored in that second half at all, which is what a what a strange game. But look, two tries to Tamika Upton, then also one to Caitlin Johnson for Australia versus Anessa Biddle and Meli Hufanga from the Kiwis. Um, when you look at the stats, again, it's a tale of, um, well, this was, it looked close on the scoreboard. Interesting, uh, the stats as well. Possession was kind of very, very split down the line in terms of timing possession, uh, very close. For the completion rate, interestingly enough, the, the Kiwi Ferns actually had a much better completion, 78% versus 67. Um, run meters favored Australia, post-contact meters as well. Tackle breaks, 37 to 21, actually favoring New Zealand. So some of the stats that you would expect, um, you know, dummy passes 2-0 to the New Zealand uh, Kiwi Ferns. Um, Look, all in all, uh, you know, they did what they needed to do, but uh, and it ended up being a kind of a more defensive affair in the second half. Um, a bit unusual, I think. I would have thought that there was there would be more points scored at, towards the end of the second half. But Australia deserved winners. Uh, obviously, when you rush out to, uh, well, you know, a 16-4 halftime lead, you would expect to run on with it, and they did. But, you know, it was close. So I think there's some danger signs there for Australia. They can't um, let uh, let the, let their guard down, basically. Uh, mm. You know, I don't know if I don't know if any other team other than New Zealand though will be able to challenge them as much. So I think having surpassed this, I think they're, they're now going to um, wait and see what, who's going to who they're going to play in the final. Most likely it'll be New Zealand again, so they'll get their chance for revenge. I predict. What about you, Tish? Yeah, look, I think it was a close game, and I think New Zealand are going to be ready for them later on in the tournament if they do happen to play in the grand final, which everybody's predicting. Um, but, look, I think Australia overall, uh, I think what probably was the difference here is just the ability to sort of control the game and ice the game in the second half, even without scoring. Um, you know, just being able to sort of get your kick returns in the right spots and being able to, like, make sure that the you know, the opposition's um, – you know, the opposition sort of, um, uh, you know, where they start their sets and, you know, your line speed uh, to try and, uh, you know, obviously stop the momentum. I think, you know, the Gillaroos did a great job in the second half um, because, you know, uh, you know, despite despite New Zealand sort of coming back, they just didn't have enough ball in the second half to be able to, to, to sort of, um, you know, get the, the final, well, at least another try to try and even it up and and perhaps even, um, you know, try and win the game. So I think, well, the Jewelers, and I think this is the, the you know, um, you know, they're probably, I think both teams, again, it's it's one of these things. The first, I don't think there were any sort of warm-ups for any of these squads, right? So um, I think the second game between these two teams is going to look very, very different and, um, you know, could even be closer than what we've seen. So, which is going to be exciting, right? Because you always have the New South Wales Queensland women's match being exciting uh, every year. Imagine the Australian Kiwis team also having really close games every year. That it's going to just just make it and take it to another level, I suppose. Exactly. All right. So the last game was Fetu Samoa twenty six, Fiji Bully Kula twelve. Um, this was also 16-4 to four, uh, in favour of Samoa at halftime, but they ran on with it, so uh, ended up scoring 10 points to 8 in the second half. Very close one. Uh, five tries to three. Uh, tries to Lindsay Tui, Taylor Mapusua, Annette Claudia, sorry, Aneta Claudia Nuasuala. Lindsay, oh, sorry, Lindsay Tui scored two, and also Taylor Mapusa scored two. Uh on the Fijian side, Vidalina Naikori scored two and Aliti Namode scored one as well. Um, the difference, though, uh, the three tries on only 12, if they had converted any of those tries, it could have been, it would have looked like 26 to 18, which yeah. would have seemed a lot closer. So, again, there's sometimes there's there's something to be said about the uh, the the fundamentals of being able to, you know, convert your tries or at least to have scored your tries in a position where they're more convertible. Um, if you look at the stats, it was it looked a little close. Uh, timing possession was close. Um, there was a, a few more sets completed for the Samoans than the Fijians. 
uh, run meters. It was, I would say, it's a, a lot closer than the games we've just talked about previously. But um, you know, even though it looks like twenty six twelve is a bit of a flogging, um, let me look at my dummy passes. One nil to Samoa, so there you go. They they deserve that win on that basis. Um, and and yeah, so look, a lot of the other stats. I think the other main stat to look at is tackle breaks, and I think that's where the main difference was. Thirty one to seventeen in favour of Samoa. So I think, you know, they may have had similar time in possession, similar breaks, similar kind of run metres, but the fact that they could, uh, you know, make breaks almost at twice the rate of Fiji, I think makes a big difference to these big matches. And so, you know, well done, Samoa. Um, uh, but, yeah, Fiji, I think, needs to kind of recoup and see if they could, um, uh, they could claw their way back into the finals contention there for... I think it's the is it the bowl, not the cup, or is it the plate? Okay, forgetting it's yeah. it's not the cup, it's the bowl, <laughs> something like yeah, that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what about you? Do you did you catch the Samoans and the Fijians? I, I did, and look, the first try was uh, was actually scored by Fiji, and it was um, one of the biggest overlaps you'd ever seen. Like there was like like literally <laughs> nobody in nobody else on the frame for Samoans when the try was scored. But then you know Samoa hit right back with a very equally sort of you know, try where there just was no Fiji in um, defensive player. So then the team sort of settled down and I think, you know, Samoa with, you know, probably probably with a bit more NRL experience than the Fijian team being able to to sort of, um, you know, really dominate, the, the, you know, sort of the rest of the game. But then Fiji came back with a comeback and, you know, with two tries in a row, um, and not that far away from each other, right? So I think the, the second Fijian try came at the 54th minute and then just, you know, basically, uh, you know, they kicked off again. I think it was, yeah, th- three three, yeah, um, three yeah, sets later, they scored again and it was on. But then you just realised the, the goal kicking, which is what was affecting it. So it was 12 after the two tries back-to-back and then it could have been 2014, um, which then the game is on, right? Because you've only got um, 13 minutes left and, you know, you've only got a six-point game. So the goal kicking let them down definitely. And then, um, you know, the you know the late tries from um, Samoa, who ended up not kicking those goals either, also, also made it. So, look, but, look, we talked about in the earlier, the, you know, the, the, the men's game as well. There was also issues around the... Um, you know, there was issues around the uh, like the wind, so maybe the you know maybe this game was also affected by that as well. So, look overall, it was a, yeah, it was a great, it was it was a good game, it was a good contest, um, and it's good to see both these nations actually have uh, teams um, in rugby league. But I think um, yeah, this is yeah, this is probably probably uh, I'd say that they're a long way off from sort of. Uh, the likes of the Jillaroos and the Kiwi Ferns. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's our review of week one. Now we're going to start reviewing or previewing, sorry, t- uh, week two. Uh, in tackle number two, we're going to talk about the two men's games this weekend. Here we go. Week two of the men's games in the Pacific Championship sees the Kiwis coming out of their slumber against Toa Samoa. So, Madge Maguire, let's see what he can do with this team. And the team looks like this. We've got for New Zealand, Charles Nickel Klockstad, Ronaldo Molitalo, Matthew Tomoko, Joseph Manu, Jermaine Ozako, Dylan Brown, Jerome Hughes in the forwards, Joseph Tarpanay, Brighton or Britain Nikora, is it Brighton Nakora? I don't know. Isaiah Papali'i, <laughs> Moses Leota, Fermanu Brown, and James Fisher Harris. On the interchange bench, we have Kieran Foran, Nelson Asafa Solomona, Griffin Neem, and Leo Thompson. For Samoa, we've got uh, pretty much an unchanged lineup, I think. Falongo, Talagi, uh, Targo, Sevi, To'o, Crichton, Arsi, and in the forwards, Palazia, Lemuelu, Leilua, Junior Paulo, Chan Kamtong, and Otakamanu. And on the interchange bench, Spencer Lenu, Terrell May, Luki, and Matamua. Um, look, yeah, we uh, – look, I think um, 
based on on just what we saw last year, I know the I know the Samoans made the final of the World Cup, but I there's something about this New Zealand side. I think with some of the players there um, in quite a bit of form this year, a lot of improvement. Look for Moses Leota in the forwards, and uh, you know. James Fisher-Harris obviously kind of finished on a high with the Panthers this year. Um, and Asofa Solomona on the interchange bench is just an unbelievable gun to have there up your disposal in your artillery. Um, and then you've got, you know, the likes of Dylan Brown, Jerome Hughes, uh, Manu, Molitalo, you know, Nickel Clock. So you've got so much firepower out on uh, in the back line there. And I think this will be a fairly... Another fairly uh, difficult game for Samoa. I think having gone through that first game with the key, uh, the Kangaroos, sorry, they would actually be well placed. However, to have had that extra run and 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 have to, you know, overcome that battle of playing the the world champions who are absolutely dominant at the moment in the world stage, but I still think that won't be enough. I think the Kiwis will will dominate and. Uh, will really scare the kangaroos. They're the only teams that can do it, I think, this year. But, um, yeah, that's my view. What about you, Tish? Yeah, look, it's going. Look, I think this is going to be a great game. So I think, obviously, we saw Samoa sort of get back into it, um, you know, for the for the last six, you know, for, for the last part of the game. Um, and, uh, you know, just looking at the lineups, you know, there's a couple of key key sort of matchups which would be very interesting. So firstly, let's talk about Jerome Luai not being missing for the for Samoa again. But then you've also got Sean Johnson not there for the uh, uh, you know the Kiwis. Um, but then you know you think the combination of Dylan Brown and Jerome Hughes over DJ Nasi and Stephen Crichton look all I suppose fairly. Re- I mean, I think apart from DJ Nasi, I think the rest of them all regular NRL first graders and all in in top notch. So. But probably you'd give the edge to New Zealand just because obviously the, the lack of, um, you know, the lack, lack of experience. Um, but look, in other parts of the field, Murray Tulungi uh, against Ronald Taldo Mulatoya, great matchup, you know. Timiko versus Isaac Tungor, um, and Joseph Manu versus Marion Sev. You know, I think I think those lineups are pretty. Those matchups are going to be pretty pretty awesome. You know, Moses Leota versus Junior Polo. You know, Lichuano. Lua versus Azai Papalihi, right? Um, you know, uh, Palacia versus, well, actually, no, Tapane is a really good player, actually. So, you know, Spencer Lino versus Kieran Ford, like, you know, um, like, I think it's, I think uh, across the board, there is going to be some really good matchups. So, I think this will be a close one. I think it's going to be, I think scoreline wise, we're probably looking at a closer scoreline to what Australia and Samoa was. And, and uh, if things go the way of, uh, you know, the Kiwis, I th- I, look, the way of Samoa, I think what hap- what's really important in this game is who gets off to the right start and who scores first. And I think that's going to be the key in terms of winning this game. So, you know what? I'm going to tip. And I think the crowd at Eden Park, Auckland, I think they're going to be behind Samoa. So I'm going to tip an upset. I'm going to tip Tawa Samoa. Uh, to take out the Kiwis. How about that, Dr. T? Wow, that's a um, bit of a shock there, but we'll see how we go. Um, yeah, interesting. Interesting indeed. Look, let's move on to uh, the other game for the men's. Fiji Butty, um, uh, you know, fresh from celebrating Fiji uh, National Day, uh, about to storm into the Cook Islands and uh, take the take the win. They have this following lineup Jareem Buller, Mike Asivo, Sunya Taruva, Wanka Blake, Michaeli Ravalawa, Kurt Donahue, Brandon Wakeham in the forwards, Caleb Navali, Tian Milne, Kitioni Katoga, Gordon Whippy, Noah Naila Goliva, and Tui Kamikamika. And on interchange bench, uh, is it Taji Tamua? Sakuri, Waganasaravi, and Lovokuro. And for the Cook Islands, Isamayoka, Malaki Morgan, Kyle Iro, Alvin Mangati, Stephen Masters, Brad Takarangi, Isan Masters in the forwards, Pride Pedersen Rabati, 
Ruben Porter, Zeni Tedevano, uh, William Samuel, Rua Ngati Kura, Davi Moali, and on the interchange bench, Kadie uh, Ioka, Riz Dakin, Justin Makareri, and Takai Mokoha. I think I've butchered half of those names. So apologies for that. I'm doing my best. But look, I think on the basis of what we saw with PMG dominating the Cook Islands, I think the Fiji Bati uh, are going to similarly dominate. Um, now, you know, the difference I think this time is we've got, even though we've got quite a few players of NRL background and experience, what we don't necessarily have is a uh, an understanding of uh, how how much of that experience we have in the uh, the crucial positions of halfback and five eighths, and so I think that's where the question marks are for me for Fiji is whether they can string it all together. Now you will notice that there are a couple of players that you would expect to be in the Fijian team that aren't there. Um, Kikau and uh, Api Korosau aren't there, which is uh, very interesting. <laughs> I don't know what that means for the lineup, but um, I don't think it will be that great. So I think this will probably be a bit closer than the PNG game, but, but not by much. I'm anticipating Fiji coming out of the blocks really, really strong. What about you, Tish? Yeah, look, um, yeah, that's right. So you've got Kikau and Appy both out now. I think they're both recovering from injury, which they're using this. So they'll be back for Fiji probably um, in the new year. But, you know, so I think what uh, the Fiji and selectors have done has decided to sort of give some other younger talent a go. And um, not all these players are, are uh, you know, are sort of playing in the NRL, but I think they are playing for the Silver Tails or playing for you know, some of the lower grades in Australia's type thing, right? So I think all of that is going to be pretty important. Um, and then look over on the Cook Islander team. Look, I think the, the fact that they've had a, a run, I think has really is probably going to help them in this game uh, type thing. Um, they they understand the conditions better because this is, again, at Port Moresby. So um, hopefully they're a bit more prepared for the, you know, the kicking game aspect to, to this. Um, but look, I think you talked about the crucial positions, and I think two positions that, uh, you know, out of the spine, what uh, Fiji has is Jareen Buller at fullback and Brendan Wakem at halfback. Um, and look, I know the Tigers finished on the 17th, but you are talking about the West Tigers halfback and the West Tigers fullback. So you've even got a combination there, right? Um, you also have, you know, premiership winner in uh, Turuvu. Uh, and you've got Wonga Blake, Marcus Siva. So you do have some some really good attack there from the Fijians, and you've got uh, Tui Kamakamaki at, uh, in a prop. Um, so I think there's enough leadership, NRL leadership there to, to try and uh, help the Fijians out, whereas I think, yeah, I think they're, they are a bit short uh, of NRL experience, current experience on the Cook Islander team. Um, but what that does mean, though, is that, yeah, it's it's a bit different to the PNG squad. I think PNG kind of got a slightly better team than Fiji. So, you know, maybe instead of a, you know, 30-point deficit, this this game might be 20 or under. Um, you know, if if uh, the Cook Islanders get off to a good start and, you know, Fiji's defences, uh, you know, in lacks of the communication and co- cohesion, you know, uh, it could be very close uh, indeed, right? So... Um, but look, I'm still thinking just with the extra amount of NRL players, I think that Fiji will probably win this game as well. All right. So now we're going to move on to talking about week two of the Women's Pacific Championships. Here we go, tackle number three. All right, the first of the women's games that's been played this Saturday, 21st of October, is the New Zealand Kiwi Ferns back again, this time with uh, against the well-rested Matema Tonga. Um, the Kiwi Ferns looks like this. Janice Parker, Robbins, Reti, Hufanga, Roach, Tafuga, Nathan Wong, and McGregor, Racing McGregor at halfback. Um, in the forwards, we've got Hale, Biddle, Pule. Uh, Takaranga, Katoa, Anderson, and Hilmoana, and the interchange bench. 
Piaku, uh, George, Pasikala, and Davidson. And for Tonga, we've got Vianu, uh, hang on, Tehawi, Liku, Palata, Fuzi, Hifo, Tohihiku, Penatani at uh, halfback there. In the forwards, we've got Perezi, Foliaki, Mafi, Tegan Dimmick, Mailangi, and Vaki. And on the interchange bench for Nua, Natasha Penatani, uh, Taufa, and Shannon Muru. And look, I think given what we saw with the world champion Jilaru's team being tested towards the end there by the Kiwi Ferns, um, I think, uh, you know, it'd be hard-pressed for me to go against uh, New Zealand. I think after having that initial run out, I think they'll get better and better. Um, I'm not really sure whether Tonga has as much of a strong squad on paper compared to New Zealand. So I think just on paper um, and based on the fact that the, the Ferns already had a hit out a good one against the world champions, uh, I'm tipping the Kiwi Ferns for this one. What about you, Tish? Yeah, look, I'm going to kick the uh, – oh, sorry, not kick, but I'm going to pick the <laughs> Kiwi Ferns. Um, look, the last time – I saw these two play before and uh, I I think that uh, Tonga got hammered really badly uh, by about 40 points. Now, this is going back probably, I want to say, two or three years ago, right? Um, so I just think that the Kiwis are on a bit of a roll. I think they're very close to where Australia are at and I don't think Tonga is. Um, I think – I think Tonga's kind of – I think they're better than Samoa and Fiji, but I don't think they're they're as good to sort of challenge, uh, you know, the level one teams at the moment. So, look, I think um, – yeah, I, th- I think they're, they're probably uh, – you know, hopefully they do well. Hopefully they keep it tight, keep it strong. But I think defensively they're going to have – they're really going to struggle, right? So, so this is the part where they really have to concentrate and focus and then, um, you know, work on not giving as – too much cheap ball away to the to the New Zealand team, um, and I think the New Zealand team across the board all in the NRL W. So for me, I think um, I think the Kiwis um, should expect to win uh, comfortably, and I think anything less would probably be a bit of disappointment from them. So I think the Kiwis um, for mine uh, to take it out quite quite comfortably. All right, and the second game on the Sunday, twenty second of October is between the PNG Orchids and the Cook Islands Moana. PNG looks like this. Norris, Allen, Guasamon, Long, Wala, Koroi, and Uaravu at halfback. And in the forwards, Reeves, Banu, Vivas, Kalpa, Kapo, and Elsie Albert, I think we're a name that we're familiar with. On the interchange bench, uh, Joe, Muka, Awoi, and Taute. And for the Cook Islands, we've got Kiria Ratu, Wilcox, Takarangi, Holloway Samuels, Rewi, Kiria Ratu, Tarua Quedley. In the forwards, Stevens, Matua, Atai, Kitai, Makira, Arakua. On the interchange bench, Tupu, Wichman, Morris Ponga, Tamarua, and Kore. And I have to say, just based on hyphenated names, the Cook Islands wins uh, hands down. I think we've got <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six in the 17 uh, lady lineup. Uh, and you've also got one in the reserves uh, who is not not uh, named in this team. But look, PNG versus Cook Islands, I think this one will be an interesting and a close one. Um, you know, I know we've got some bigger names and experience there in the PNG Orchids, but I get the feeling this will be close. I'm still leaning towards PNG um, based on some of the players that, that, you know, again, based on uh, on on paper the squad on paper, but I think, you know, the Cook Islands, after having that hit out, you never know. They might, uh, you know, they might, uh, who knows, they might catch up. Uh, But look, PNG for mine, what about you? Yeah, well, very interesting. So uh, last year in the uh, Women's World Cup, uh, the Cook Islands actually were the team ranked third in offloads with 28 in last year's World Cup. So, wow. I think they rely heavily on the offloads, um, whereas I think the Orchids uh, live, you know, they require defensive power and strength. And actually the PNG Orchids team, uh, you know, from a strength point of view and from a defensive point of view, I think they're going to be all guns blazing. So, yeah, so this is going to be very interesting on that side of the ball, right? You know, the, the Cook Islands attack versus the PNG defence. Um 
but I also think that they've got some really good forwards in the PNG lineup too. So I think um, you know, yeah, sort of with their with their front rowing, and I think he's just captain Elsie Albert uh, Albert, right? So it's going to be. I think I think the PNG squad is going to quite comfortably uh, beat, uh, unfortunately, um, the Cook Islands Moana team. Um, who, yeah, look, uh, look. Hopefully these, you know, these players get a bit more exposure to the NRL. Um, and um, but uh, you know, but look, I think I think the uh, PNG will run away with this one. Awesome. All right. Well, that leads us to the other big international game being played. Uh, the start of the first, uh, you know, the three-game test series over in England. Uh, tackle number four: England versus Tonga. Here we go. All right, so as I mentioned, this is the first of three game, uh, three game test series between England and Matema Tonga over there in England. It's uh, an international test series. Uh, I think it hasn't really happened uh, before between these two countries. Mm. So it's the Tongan uh, tour, basically. Um, now, we don't really have much, I think, in, in the way of official squads at the moment. Um, but we do have, I think... Uh, some possible uh no we don't we did we have uh i'm just trying to see if we've actually seen the the teams being named just yet apologies i'm just going to look this up um but this just before we look at the actual squads i don't think we we know of any big names that are out but do you have a view about you know what going into this knowing what you know about english uh the english and the tongan teams uh what are you leaning towards yeah, look, um, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to bring up because I did have a, a, a Tongan squad. But, look, I think this game is going to be an absolute blockbuster, right? I think these two teams are very, very close when it comes to um, their their abilities. Um, so probably where I would give England the edge is probably around their halves and, and a bit of the spine. Where I'd give the Tongans an edge is their attacking flair um, with their back three, you know, three and wingers, as well as I think they've probably got a bigger forward pack, <laughs> right, and probably a bit more mm. of a meaner forward pack too. So I think the, the this clash between these two nations will come down to which forward pack can dominate the other forward pack and then, um, you know, can the game management abilities of the English team outwit and outsmart the um, flamboyant, uh, sort of freestyle Tongan uh, attack, uh, which becomes very hard to stop, right? Particularly close to your trial line. So, look, it's going to be an absolute classic. It's going to be two nations that play rugby league quite differently. Um, I suppose the next question is, is that Tong- Tongans, when they play in New Zealand and when they play in Australia, get lots of hometown support. I don't know in the north of England how much support they're going to get. Um, so that would also be a bit of a, uh, a bit of a challenge there as well. Right. So w- with that said, I think England will probably win this series overall. Um, but I, I think the Tongans will give them a really good run for their money. Um, again, the key with the, I think the key with the Tongans is making sure that they, um, that they sort of, uh, you know, like get off to good starts. I think, um, they don't want to put undue pressure on themselves. Uh, to try and like you know sort of chase the game and things like that. I don't think that's going to be on their best interest at all. Um, but yeah, look, it's it's going to be it's going to be uh, yeah. It's, I think it's going to be great um, uh, for these. Um, so there you go. I'm even trying to look for the New Zealand. I don't think there's. I don't think England have named a squad yet either. So. No, I think they haven't yet. But I, I I will go through the Tongan squad, even though we don't have an actual team for the game. But I do want to yep. say one thing that that there is something they both have in common, which is when it counted last year in the World Cup, um, <laughs> they both got beaten by Tong uh, by Samoa in a very wow. close game. So Samoa beat um, Tonga by two points in the quarterfinal, and then uh, they beat. 
England by one point in the semi-final to reach their first ever World Cup final. So I think that's something they have in common. And if if you if that's anything to go by the the way they were, you know, narrow, just edged out by Samoa, it sort of gives an indication of they're kind of all playing at the same level um, yeah. when it really counts. So, um, but with a three-test series, it's kind of different. You kind of, you know. I mean, Australia is certainly no stranger to this, having done this before. You get, um, you can get ambushed in game one of a three-test series. And by that, I mean you could get a completely different result to what you're expecting. And the underdog, in my mind, is usually favoured in game one because then then what you see is uh, it's the only time that they can shock the uh, the favourites into by beating them, and then it means that the favourites on the back foot, and the favourites usually get better throughout the series. And I think England would be considered favourites quite quite uh, honestly here. Uh, but if you look at this uh, Tongan squad, uh, I think it's fair to say that they won't be favourites by much because they've got a very strong squad here to draw from uh, the Tongan. So I'll go through all of them and then. Let's see if we can uh, re- reassess our final kind of uh, judgment before the tips at the end of this episode. So Latu Fainu from uh, from the Seagulls, Adam Fanua Blake from the Warriors, Moaki Fatuika from the Titans, Tyson Frizzell from the Knights, Saliva Havili from the Rabbitohs, William Hopwadi from St. Helens, Conrad Harrell from St. Helens, Alicia Katoa from Melbourne Storm, Isaiah Katoa from the Dolphins, Felicia Kafusi from the Dolphins, Keon Kaloa-Matangi from the Rabbitohs, uh, Tolutau Kalua from uh, the the Sea Eagles, uh, Tui Maloa Lolahia from the Huddersfield Giants, uh, Homoli Olakawatu from Manly Warringah Sea Eagles, Will Penasini from the Eels, uh, Hame Selly from the Rabbitohs, Moses Suli from the Dragons, Tavita Totola from the Rabbitohs, Dion Tiupa from the Rabbitohs, Stafford Toa from the Tigers, Daniel Tupa from the Roosters, and Siwa Wong from the Roosters. Um, pretty strong squad there when you look at the likes of Kafusi, Tupo, and Frizzell, who have played for Australia before. Um, uh, you know, so that you've got a pretty good, pretty strong uh, representation there. Adam Fanua Blake who, as we know, in one of our episodes we talked about earlier this year, is the highest paid forward in the game at the moment in the NRL, I believe. Um, uh, so that that is uh, very interesting. And, you know, when you look at that, you've got a pretty strong lineup. Um, and Tonga, I think you're right, I think would be favoured as a uh, as a team kind of, you know, if, if it's an offload type of game, I think Tonga would be very much favoured. If there's a passion uh, kind of confidence type game, Tonga would be favoured. But I think in terms of, you know, just the fact that you've got some of the players, especially that have just recently played in the Super League final series, um, rolling out for England. Uh, there are a few here in Tonga as well. Uh, let's not forget. But some of the main players uh, are that with, with a lot of end-of-season experience are from the English squad, and I think uh, that experience is probably going to give them the slight edge. Uh, so, Tish, now that I've read out the Tongan squad, have you changed your mind? You Well, look, you've... <laughs> yeah, it does make it tricky. I th- look, I, I think... I think so, I mean, I was kind of very strong towards Samoa. I think the Lollahia for me and how he goes in the halves is very important because uh, without him, they don't really have a strong enough half, you know, half system, whereas I think obviously England do, right? Um, so, but you know what? That's enough for me. I, I'm going to lock in Tonga, Eddie. I mean, Dr. Z. Fair enough. All right, <laughs> let's move on to Tackle 5. We're going to review the Super League Grand Final between the Wigan Warriors and the Catalans Dragons. All right, so Mitchell Pierce retired. Unfortunately, he didn't get his fairy tale ending. Catalan Dragons uh, went down to the Wigan Warriors 10 points to 2. Uh, in front of 58,137 fans at Old Trafford. Scores were two all at half time. Talk about like going back to the 80s style defensiveness 
you know, it was very much a, a, an old ARL, New South Wales Rugby League, 1980s style of a game. Frustrating a little bit to watch, given what we've been used to. But look, mm. two, two all at halftime. It was the Warriors winger, Liam Marshall, who scored the only try of the game. It was a good one as well. Happened near the end, I think. Um, and then they, they got a penalty goal later that extended their lead slightly. Um, Mitchell Pierce, in particular, didn't really have a very good game. So um, he, he did come up with an important tackle, but he did miss a crucial tackle in the lead up to that Marshall try, unfortunately. Um, so Mitchell Pierce, farewell. He is 34 years old. He has had 309 NRL games as well as a premiership. And he's also had 41 English Super League games and he's represented New South Wales 19 times. Man of the match was Wigan centre Jake Wardle, uh, but it was the kicking game of halfback Harry Smith that ended up being the difference between the two sides. Um, and Smith obviously partnered former Eel Bevan French, who made the switch to 5 8 halfway through the season and uh, hit really good form towards the end. He ended up top of the competition in triassists and ended up winning the Man of Steel award. So, you know, some awards to go around over there. Unfortunately, um, yeah, when all is said and done, look, Wigan uh, have claimed their sixth Super League title. Uh, and their first one since 2018. So well done, Wigan. Congratulations. One of the most historic and storied clubs there over in England. Um, and it was also a sad ending for uh, actually 29-time English international Sam Tompkins, who's also called time in his career after spending the last five years with Catalan's Dragons. Um, he has played... Uh, well, he was obviously it used to be a Wigan player. For those of you who remember, he actually has made uh, 213 appearances for Wigan between 2008 and 2018, and obviously he played for two years in the NRL. Uh, played for the Dragons, I believe, didn't he? My, if, if I'm not mistaken, uh, yeah. is that right? <laughs> yeah. Um, look, well, well done to Wigan again. Uh, their first Premiership in five years, but sixth Super League title overall. Uh, Wigan, in particular, is uh, very much a uh, you know what, what a heartland rugby league team. You know, in back in the eighties, when uh, before professionalism took hold of rugby league players in Australia, it was often the case that some of the the biggest stars here would go and pretty much spend their last couple of seasons over there in England. It was almost a rite of passage. And Wigan was one of these teams that that took on some of the the real greats of Australian rugby league, um, but also delivered some really great players to us here. I think, um, uh, yeah, the likes of... Um, I forget his name now, Sean, Sean Edwards, players like that, you know, used to play for Wigan. But, yeah, a, a, a long history. I recommend you go look up Wigan and see uh, some of the, the great players from the past all ended up coming from Wigan or pretty much all of them. Um, Tish, I don't know if you caught the game at all, um, but do you have any any alternate point of view about what happened and do you have anything to say about Sam Tompkins and uh, Mitchell Pierce farewelling from the game? Yeah, well, look, um, look, I'm just, um, you look, I did see some highlights and some vision of this game and I'm just going to uh, just, you know, there's a, there's an article on Love Rugby League by uh, Ross Heppenstall about five reasons behind Wigan Warriors' grand final. So I thought I'd just mention them here and, um, you know, uh, and and you know, so so look. Uh, the first one is the academy stars shine on the biggest stars, right? So Wigan, under the thoughtful guidance of Pete, Matt Pete, who was their coach, um, you know, had developed players within the club, like a youth development system that has been the you know, hit, you know, that's been sort of the cornerstone, and Pete has uh, has attributed that as a major role in their win. The hometown heroes embedded in the culture of the club. So, you know, bringing mm. back some players, um, you know, so like long-serving captain Liam Farrell, um, Harry Smith, um, you know, uh, you know, bringing these players in for the, uh, you know, to, to sort of usher in the young guns, bringing in like, you know, former ex-captains like Sean Lonigan as assistant coach, um, you know, even Thomas Lulai who had played for Wigan, um, you know, almost like he's adopted um, sort of, you know, thing. 
Um, and then Ian Lennigan bowed out as a winner as a club's prepare for a new owner. So, look, there's an ownership challenge. So I don't know if that affect the, is going to affect the club moving forward. Um, and then you've also got, look, you know, Wigan have always a burning ambition for success. You know, Wigan's been a very successful club, have got a long history of success. So, you know, um, so with those points there, I think what I could see is that Wigan is kind of like mirroring what the Penrith Panthers are doing in the NRL. Um, and I think that's really good for rugby league overall because you do need to have clubs that are successful that their core focus is not necessarily signing big-name players from other clubs or from the, or from the NRL, but the big focus is having a youth development system that creates more NRL creates more NRL and Super League players at a, at a high level that become world class players and that can actually you know raise the game uh, in England in Australia and also in uh, other sort of nations where some of these players can represent through their heritage. So I think I think some really positive signs for the Super League to have Wigan back on top and um, you know there were eight or nine players uh, sort of leaving the Catalans, uh, including retiring Sam Tompkins, Mitchell Pierce, but also Tyron May and Matt Whitley. Um, so, look, it's going to be interesting how the Catalans will will recover. But, you know, interesting, I'm just wondering if if they should adopt a similar system to what the Penrith Panthers and now Wigan are doing uh, in the south of France and try to become a bit of a development hub for up-and-coming French players and then mix that in with you know, a bunch of journeymen, really high, you know, high grade players um, to try and develop the next generation. Um, but look, congratulations to Wigan and yeah, congratulations to Mitchell Pierce on a great career. For me, it's very odd because, like, I think he's the first son of a player where I've seen his whole career. Right. So, 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 thanks for uh, you know, for Mitchell Pierce for reminding my age, reminding me of my age. <laughs> Thanks for the memories, of course. Uh, look, let's move on to our final tackle, which is the tips for week two of the Pacific Championships and the uh, England-Tonga game. Here we go. All right. In After that first week, uh, of the Pacific Championships, uh, you ended up getting three out of four. I got four out of four, which means I'm clawing my way back closer to you. You are on 138 and I'm on 137 for the year in total. This week, we have five games to choose from. Here we go. For the men's, New Zealand versus Samoa, I'm tipping uh, New Zealand. I'm tipping us uh, Samoa. Fiji versus Cook Islands. Fiji butty for me. Yeah, look, Fiji as well for me. For the women, uh, Kiwi Ferns versus Mate Ma Tonga. I'm tipping New Zealand. Yeah, look, I'm also tipping New Zealand. PNG Orchids versus Cook Islands Moana. You said it was going to be a close one, but I'm tipping PNG. I'm going to tip PNG. All right, and finally, England versus Tonga. We just spoke about it a minute ago. Look, this is a tough one. Uh, could go either way. I think it's going to be really close and really exciting, but I'm leaning towards England for this first one. Yeah. Well, what did they say? When it's down to toughness, pick Tonga. I'm going to go. Go Tonga. All right. Well, those are our tips, and that is the episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening and joining us. Enjoy your international footy. Uh, enjoy week two of the Pacific Championships and the England-Tonga game. should be a great one. Tish, over to you to wrap this one up. Well, thank you, Dr. T. I'd like to thank everybody for listening, but that's all the time that we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We are your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.